Hey, um, if you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to Luke 18. We're going to be focusing today on praying or giving up. My annual evaluation with the Elder Board is extensive, and I really appreciate those guys, but one of the things they ask me each year is describe your relationship with God. And when I describe it to them, I called, I said, my relationship with God is special. Now, that doesn't mean I'm special or that my relationship is more special than anyone else. What I'm saying is that my relationship with God is very special to me. I love Jesus. I love him. And he loves me. I love reading his word and hearing him speak every day. There's some days it's hard to put this down. Because I just love hearing him talk. There's days I love to pray with him. I love to talk to him. And to hear him speaking to me. The relationship we have is special. And prayer is a big part of that. Prayer is having time with God. Uninterrupted time with God. And when Jesus talked to his disciples about praying... He said you ought always to pray, always to pray, and never give up. This is the way Jesus put it to them in Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray for a moment. Lord, prayer is a confusing thing sometimes. Sometimes you tell us to pray in your name and we'll get whatever we ask for, and so we do that and we don't get it and we get confused. Sometimes we're told that we don't have enough faith. Sometimes we're told we're not asking right. Sometimes we get discouraged and we stop praying. I find it very interesting you told the disciples they ought always to pray and not give up. Thank you for this amazing opportunity you've given us to come to you at any time. And I pray today you'll help us as we begin this new year to see why and how availing ourselves of this can be such a great encouragement. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. I was reading about a pastor who just announced to his congregation that he'd be leaving their church. There was a good deal of crying, lots of kind words. I'm sure some people were rejoicing. And as the pastor was talking to one woman who had expressed her sadness about leaving, he said this to encourage her. Oh, don't feel bad. I'm sure our superintendent will come up with a much better replacement. And she turned and said to him, yeah, that's what they said the last time. In fact, that's what they say all the time, but it never happens. 
You know, here's this lady who's given up because she has wanted so many times for that word to come true. You're going to give us a better pastor, but it never happens. You know, many people live their lives that way. Believing that what they ask for, believing that what they want, believing that what they've been promised will, will never actually happen. Many people start out with contagious hope and optimism, but repeated disappointments and unrealized expectations and broken promises can cause people to just stop asking because it doesn't do any good anyway, and they give up. Satan is a master at capitalizing on those moments to create frustration and despair and hopelessness even for people to lose faith even to lose faith in the promises of God. But God's promises are always fulfilled. Knowing this is why Jesus took the time to tell his disciples a story to encourage them to always pray and not give up. Luke 18 begins with a parable of the unrighteous judge and the persistent nagging widow. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? A parable is a story. Jesus used them powerfully. They're an earthly illustration that everyone would be familiar with, but it's teaching a heavenly or spiritual truth. Jesus used parables to teach people important lessons about God, about themselves, and about how to live by faith. The parable in this story was taken from a situation that was probably all too common, and probably one which the disciples had witnessed in their own lives. You see, the courts of their day were a little different than ours. Their court was not a building. It was usually a tent moved from city to city where a magistrate and his attendants would come, set up shop, and begin to adjudicate cases. Some of these judges weren't really out for justice. They were out for themselves. They wanted money. And so when the judges came to town, not everyone got a hearing. Usually, in the case of these unjust judges, there would be a case where they wouldn't even listen to you unless you were willing to pay them or bribe one of their officials to get you an audience with the judge. Apparently, this was common enough that the image of a poor widow having to plead her case repeatedly before one of these unjust judges would have had the disciples nodding their heads going, yeah, we've seen that. So the woman pleads and pesters the judge until he finally gives in. Not because he cares about her or cares about justice. The woman's wearing him out. He says in verse 4, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, 
Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. The phrase attack me is literally the words strike me under the eye. She's going to give me a black eye. She's going to ruin my reputation. She's going to suppose that I'm crooked. She's going to wear me out with this. So he grants her request. Because she didn't give up. Jesus said that's the way you should approach prayer with God. Not because God is like the unjust judge, but because he's the opposite of that. Listen to what the unjust judge says, Jesus said. Verse 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is telling his disciples, if an unjust judge who doesn't care will eventually answer because he's worn down and concerned for his reputation, how much more will God answer those who ask him? Because he does care, you're his kids, and he's perfectly just and faithful. Max Lucado once wrote, would God be nailed to a cross for your sins and then disregard your prayers? I don't think so. So you should always pray and not give up. The wait may be long. You may not get the answer you want. You may not see the answer in your lifetime. But answer he will. And the thing to keep doing while you're waiting is to keep praying and not giving up. Because as Jesus tells these disciples, believers find encouragement when they continue to pray and not give up. And what do we find that encouragement when we pray? Jesus tells them, in knowing that your cries are heard and that your faith is pleasing God. We find encouragement to keep praying when we know our cries are heard. Jesus said in verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. We give up sometimes when we pray and don't get answers, especially in the light of the fact that Jesus said, ask for whatever you will in my name and you'll receive it. So why don't we? I don't know if you've ever read anything by Larry Crabb. He's a Christian counselor, a best-selling author. And in one of his books, he was talking about his 50-year discouragement with prayer, an amazingly transparent moment for such a great Christian writer. Here's what he said. When I was 10, I first heard Matthew 21, 22, where Jesus, who never lies, said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. It was the whatever model of prayer. Believe, ask for whatever you want, and it's yours. I remember running outside, he said, standing in our driveway, closing my eyes real tight and praying to God, I want to fly like Superman. And I believe you can do it. So I'll jump and you take it from there. I jumped four times, and each time I landed half a second later and a half a foot farther down the driveway. I had believed, and I had asked, just like Jesus said, but I didn't receive. And thus began my 50-year journey of confusion about prayer. 
You ever been there? You ask, you believe in Jesus' name, and you don't get it. Many of us are confused about prayer. We ask God for things that seem a lot more reasonable than flying like Superman, but the results are the same. We ask and we don't receive. And after a while, people stop asking. And Satan, the enemy of God, seizes those moments to send messages that sound like this. You ever heard him? He's not listening. He's too busy. You don't have enough faith. You aren't praying right. God doesn't care about you. And you keep listening to those voices, eventually you hear things like this. You know, maybe the reason God isn't answering is because God's not really there. Satan has taken so many people down that road. Jesus told these disciples, when that happens, don't you believe it? Verse 6, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. The unjust judge heard the woman. It wasn't a problem of hearing, but he was unjust. God hears your prayers, and he's not unjust. He cares about you. He knows what you need before you ask him. Verse 7, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. God hears when you cry out day and night. He created you. He gave his life for you. He beckons us to cry out to him, to bring to him all of our needs, he said. And you see what Jesus said? Verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So if quickly, then how come I wait so long and at times the answer seems never to come? It doesn't seem quick to me. When we pray in Jesus' name, God answers quickly. Although you may have to wait to see the answer. In fact, you may have to wait until you're in heaven to see the answer. Now sometimes we don't see the answer because it's not the answer we want. We ask for this, we don't get it, so we think God hasn't answered us. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is no because what we've asked for isn't good. You remember the Lord's brother James in chapter 4, verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now if you're a parent or a grandparent, let me ask you this. Do you give your kids or your grandkids everything they ask for when they ask for it? I hope not. Because if you do, you're not a very good parent and you're not a very good grandparent. Because sometimes, honestly, our kids ask for stuff that aren't good. It isn't good. And if you love them, you can't give it to them. So we say no sometimes. Not now. Or maybe not ever. God does that too. But when we pray in Jesus' name, which, by the way, means to ask God for the same thing Jesus would ask for in that situation, then you can be sure you'll get what Jesus always got, God's will to be done. 
Because you'll be doing the works of Jesus as you ask for the works of Jesus to be done in his name. Do you remember at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus went to the cross in John 14, verse 12? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Watch this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask in his name. Now, tacking Jesus' name on the end of your prayer is not asking in Jesus' name. Asking in Jesus' name is asking God to do in your situation the very same thing Jesus would ask God to do in your situation. People, sometimes I don't know what to ask for. So I say, God, this is what I want. This is what seems reasonable to me. This is what I'd like you to do. This is what I hope you will do. This is what I want you to do. But I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Because God, really what I want is your will to be done. I want you to do in my situation what Jesus would ask you to do in my situation. So I'm asking in his name, take these prayers of mine and do for me what you would do for Jesus. So many people tack Jesus' name on the end of their prayer and they think they're going to get it because that's not praying in Jesus' name. I have kids. I have grandkids. If one of my grandkids comes to me and says, Bampa, I want that whole jar of cookies over there, and Gaga says I could have it. Now, the kid's making his appeal to me in my wife's name. But I can assure you, they are not asking for what Gaga would ask for. I don't know where they got that. I don't know where they were delusional. But they're asking for something I know I don't need to grant because... They're asking in that name, but they're not really asking in that name. It's not consistent with what she would do. But if my grandkid comes and says to me, Bumpa, Gaga said before she left that if I finished my dinner, I could have a cookie. That kid's going to get a cookie. Because you see, now he's asking in her name consistently with what I know she would have told him before she left. She's asking what she herself would do if she were there. And so he's going to get the cookie. People, when I pray in Jesus' name, I'm asking God to do what Jesus would ask him to do in my situation. And when I pray like that, I can have the confidence that when I'm crying out to God, he's going to hear me. And he's going to do what I ask of him. Because you see, praying in Jesus' name is not praying to get my will done. It's praying to get God's will done. And that's why the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. We don't always know how to pray or even what to ask, but we can be encouraged in this. 
We are to make all of our requests known to God. God, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I hope you'll do. This is what I'm asking for. He hears us when we pray. God listens to the cries of his kids. We pray in Jesus' name because we want what Jesus would ask for. We want God's will to be done. And you can keep on praying like that and not give up when you know your cries are heard, they are being answered, sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait. And Jesus said, why would you give up when you know that God is hearing those prayers? Not only in the encouragement of knowing that God hears us, but we find encouragement to keep praying when we see that our faith pleases God. It says in verse 6, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When I was in high school, I worked at our local grocery store, Marandino Foods. One Saturday, I'm down in the basement with the owner's son, Mr. Marandino's son, Johnny. We are loading stock on a conveyor to go up to the floor so we can restock the shelves. Mr. Marandino was gone for the day. He wouldn't be back. So we're down there doing this stuff, getting it done by the time of his return later in the day. As we're moving this stock around in the stock room, an empty milk carton fell out, one of those little eight-ounce square paper milk carton. And so I kicked it. And Johnny kicked it back. So I kicked it back to him. And he kicked it back to me. Well, to make a very long story short, pretty soon we had boundaries set up with boxes. We had goals. And we had a soccer game going on in the basement of the food store. We're both very competitive. We're the only two down there. And Mr. Marandino ain't anywhere around. And we got stock to bring up, and we figured we had time, but we just got carried away. We're in the middle of this game, having a great old time, when we hear behind us, so, see, we have a little time on our hands, eh, boys? Mr. Marandino had come back quite a bit earlier than we expected. And we're down there playing soccer in the basement, in the bunks, the freight that we're supposed to be bringing upstairs. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. He came back, and we didn't expect it, and we weren't ready because we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing. Many people who call themselves Christians are going to have that same experience when Jesus returns. Because they don't believe he's coming at any moment. And so they're not living their lives for him. They're not doing in those moments what they know they ought to be doing. John wrote in 1 John 2, verse 28, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You see, if Johnny and I had been doing the right thing that day, it wouldn't have mattered when Mr. Marandino came back. He'd have found us doing what we're supposed to be doing. But we weren't. So, John said, if you know what's right, keep doing it. Otherwise, you will shrink away in shame at his coming. 
How are we to be found living when Jesus returns? We're to be found living as people of faith. So he said in verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth or will he find people who have stopped praying because they've given up? Will they find people who are really living for him because they believe or because they have given up? One of the chief signs of a genuine faith is that we believe God, we seek God, we obey God, and we keep praying to God when everyone else has quit. A continual life of prayer, even when we see no answer, is one of the truest signs of real biblical faith, especially when we see no answer. Jesus said he'll be looking for that kind of faith when he returns. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus told the disciples that he was going away, and many would long to see his return, but many would not see it. Not yet. So he said, in the meantime, some people will begin spreading rumors about his already having returned. Just prior to that, in, in chapter 17, verse 23, Jesus said, people will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. When people come and tell you he's already returned, when they get impatient, start making stuff up, don't believe it. When Jesus comes, nobody's going to miss it. He also said there would be many who would be living as in the days of Noah or the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, before the judgment of the flood or, or the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, people wouldn't listen to what God was telling them. So they weren't living for God because they didn't believe they needed to live for God because they didn't really believe that God's judgment would finally come. So Jesus said in verse 26, chapter 17, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given a marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Noah had been preaching for years, 120 many people think building this huge boat, telling people, you know what, the floods are coming. But they were just going on with life like usual. Right up to the day the flood came. Nobody suspected a thing. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, making all kinds of plans. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. You see, when judgment fell, people weren't ready. They weren't living by faith in him. They didn't believe. So in chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable to show us that we should always pray and not give up. Continual prayer, a life of prayer, a seeking after God, even when we see no answers, demonstrates the kind of faith that pleases God and encourages us that our faith is real. Because we live by faith and not by sight. Do you remember in Hebrews 11? Living like that, believing in what you cannot see is the very definition of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. 
and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. J.C. Ryle, Bishop of Liverpool, was a great pastor, great author and commentator. He died in 1900. He once wrote, God's elect are a people who cry unto him night and day. They are essentially a praying people. Quoting the early church father, Augustine, he said, when faith fails, prayer dies. In order to pray, then, we must have faith. And that our faith fail not, we must pray. Faith pours forth prayer, and the pouring forth of the heart in prayer gives steadfastness to faith. We live by faith, not by sight. One of the most compelling examples of faith is a person who cries out to God continually, knowing he's being faithful to God's call in his life, though he never sees an answer. Bottom line, the primary reason we pray is because Jesus asked us to. And there is no more compelling reason you need than that. Jesus lives in us. And when you study the life of Jesus on earth, you will find that he lived his life by prayer. You notice every time he was missing and the disciples went looking for him, they found him praying almost every single time. And the Bible says that he lives in heaven now ever to intercede for us. He continues that prayer in heaven. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus is an intercessor. He always was. And he is now. That praying Jesus lives in me. And if you ever realize that when you are praying, when you are interceding for the nation, for our state, for our community, for the church, for yourself, for your family, for loved ones, for lost people, do you realize when you are interceding, the living Christ who's living in you is praying that interceding life through you to accomplish what he said he would always do. He ever lives to intercede. Jesus is praying through you in those intercessions. Dallas Seminary prof and author, speaker Howard Hendricks once said, prayer pervaded the Savior's life from beginning to end. He prayed in the ordinary moments and the extraordinary moments. He prayed in the common events of life and the crisis events of life. He prayed in public and he prayed in private. He prayed about everything. Prayer was not peripheral, it was paramount. It was not part of his life, it was his life. It was not something he did as ritual. It is a relationship he maintained with his heavenly father. The more Christ makes his home in my heart, the more the characteristics of Christ will be seen in my life. The chief of which is that I, like Christ, will become a praying person. I remember Howard Hendricks speaking those words sitting in a room with a bunch of pastors. And he had just confronted us about our prayer life. Very convicting. And when he was done saying those words, he looked at us, and this is what he said to a room full of pastors. How can it be 
that the life of Jesus lived on earth by prayer is the life he now lives in heaven by prayer is the life you now claim lives in you and you do not pray. It does not compute. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a people continually seeking him as a demonstration of their faith in him? A faith that pleases God and encourages us. We're not praying to get answers. We're praying to please God. And we ought always to pray and not give up. I don't know if you know much or have read much about the ministry of George Mueller. George Mueller was a Christian social reformer from the Victorian era. He was a pastor, an amazingly accomplished man. Simultaneously, he pastored a church of 1,200 members, operated Sunday schools that taught and evangelized thousands of children. He ran also an orphanage at the same time that housed, fed, clothed, taught, and evangelized over 2,000 orphans every year for decades. He supported 187 missionaries organized a scriptural knowledge institute that distributed vast quantities of Bibles and scripture portions. And he supported it all through prayer. At the age of 70, he began a series of missionary speaking tours that took him to Europe, Asia, North America, and Australia in the 1800s. Mr. Mueller was an educated man able to preach in English, German, and French without the need of an interpreter. He also was well-versed in Greek and Hebrew. Thousands attended the meetings whenever he spoke. And in addition, he received hundreds of invitations to speak worldwide that he could not accept. He had no time to do it. And Mr. Mueller never accepted a salary for any of his ministries, ever. And what's truly remarkable, he never told anyone of his personal needs nor any of his ministry needs, ever. He never asked for a dime from anybody. He told only God what his needs were. And God met them abundantly, powerfully. Some of the stories from his life are so remarkable you would not even believe some of the answers he got to prayer. But even George Mueller had to learn the value of always praying and never giving up. In his book, Deepening Your Conversation with God, Ben Patterson related an entry from George Mueller's diary from November 1844. Listen to what he wrote. I began to pray for the, conver for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, without whether I was sick or in health, on the land, on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. 18 months elapsed praying every day before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. 
Five years elapsed. And then the second was converted. I thank God for the second. And I prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. And six years passed before the third came to Christ. I thank God for the three. And when I'm praying for the other two. I continued to pray every day for 36 years for these two sons of one of my friends. But they still did not come to Christ. But I hope in God. I pray on. And I look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he prayed every day for these two young men, they finally came to Christ just before Mueller died. 52 years every day. Because Jesus said, we should always pray and not give up. I remember sitting in class with John Mitchell, Dr. John Mitchell, what a guy. He was the founder of the school I was attending, Multnomah University. Amazing man. He would preach at chapel. He was 90-something when he preached when I was there. He'd preach in chapel. He'd quote verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. He never looked down. He didn't need to. He had almost the whole Bible memorized. You could say, Dr. Mitchell, what about this verse? He said, well, the reason you don't understand this verse is because you don't understand what comes before it and after it. He would stand there with you. He'd quote 10, 20 verses before it and 10 or 20 verses after it, no matter what verse you picked. And the guy was a prayer warrior like crazy. He used to tell us all the time in chapel, students, he'd say, remember, the real benefit of prayer is not what you get when you pray. It's whom you have while you are praying. Prayer is an ongoing conversation. Lived out in fellowship with God who knows all things and can do all things. To give up praying is to give up on God. It's saying essentially, I don't either believe you're there or I don't think you care or you are powerless. People, life is tough. We ask God for all kinds of things that seem reasonable and sometimes we see the answer right away and sometimes we don't. Sometimes the wait is long and the discouragement can be strong. But Jesus told us, that like him, we ought always to pray and not give up. God hears the cry of his kids. And when you pray like this, it pleases him. God is good. He loves us. His ways are perfect. And so is his timing. And when he comes, what a joy it will be to find us praying still believing though we never see a thing 
You know, I love the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 40. He was also a very faithful, praying man in very difficult times. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Jesus said, always pray. Never give up. God is listening. And your prayers are pleasing Him. Lord, I need this reminder as we begin the new year. So often I have prayed for results and missed the brain benefit of being in your presence. I need to think afresh of what it really means to pray in Jesus' name. And to know that I can ask whatever I want, however I want to ask it. When I pray in Jesus' name, if I really mean that, I'm going to get what you would give to Jesus, praying for the same thing. And I may not always like the answers, but I'm learning to like that your will is being done. And that I'm actually engaged in doing the work of Jesus as I pray in his name. And God, in those times when my brothers and sisters and I can't see the answers, our faithful praying and crying out to God is such an example of faith that it pleases you. And I hope you'll find us all believing for that same kind of faith when you return. Lord, tomorrow we have a prayer day here. I don't expect that everybody can come down here just because we have a prayer day. But I know you're expecting that wherever we are, we might be reminded to take a few extra moments to pray. To find in those moments a closeness with you that we hopefully will come to love and make more of. Tomorrow night, people are busy. Not everybody can come to the prayer concert. But wherever we are at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, we can stop. And we can talk to God. That's the church pray. Not all in the same room. Not even all in the same country. But the same people coming to the same God. Always praying. Never giving up. Thank you, God. One of the joys of heaven will be to see how all these prayers in Jesus' name were worked to bring you glory and joy to